Brought to you by Business Fights Poverty. Hello and welcome to Business Fights Poverty's Social Impact Pioneers podcast series. I am Katie Heisen, Director of Thought Leadership. These interviews with social impact pioneers provide you with insights, different perspectives, advice and maybe a little inspiration, giving you first-hand understanding of how businesses and others are tackling some of the world's biggest social challenges so that you can learn from those who have been there before, helping you in your decision-making and action-taking. Eric Ressler is a social impact pioneer. Today, we are going to talk about the need for social impact communications and why it needs to up its game. We're also going to explore what it is to deliver impact in California, USA. Eric Risler is the founder and creative director at Cosmic, a social impact creative agency. I am hopeful that Eric is going to help us to better understand how to communicate social impact, to tell our stories, to build brand awareness and inspire action. With multinational businesses marketing budgets in the tens of millions, the most watched online videos in the hundreds of millions, and social media influences commanding life changes in their followers. How can social and environmental impact better engage and learn from the pros? Eric, I think you might have a few thoughts for us, so welcome. Thanks for having me on. It's great to have you. Eric, I wanted to start our conversation today. You launched Cosmic in 2009, focusing on creative solutions for social impact organisations. How have things changed since 2009? Could you share a bit about your journey that you've been on? Sure. Things have changed a lot is the short answer. And actually, when we first started in 2009, we weren't actually focused only on social impact work. We started as a creative agency doing a lot of design work, a lot of digital work. And we're in Santa Cruz as our headquarters. We used to have an office before we went distributed a couple of years ago. And we did a lot of work with brands in Silicon Valley and the Bay Area, greater Bay Area, a lot of startups, a lot of B2B brands. And alongside that, we were also doing social impact work, working with nonprofits, some social enterprises, B Corps, um, some funders as well. And after about seven years of doing that, um, going to about 2016 or so, we really realized as an agency, we needed to find a niche or a focus or something that we could really commit to and put a stake in the ground around. And when we started looking back at all the work we'd done over those first seven or so years, we really started to circle around this idea of social impact. We didn't call it that at first. We kind of stumbled upon that term after thinking about other ways of describing it. But what we really realized is our team felt most inspired and, and the most purpose and felt like we did the best work when we really deeply cared about the work that we were doing and felt like it was making the world better. And so we essentially decided to commit to doing only social impact work at that time and uh, have only dug in more fiercely since. So Eric, I'd also like to understand a bit about your own personal journey. So how did you come to found Cosmic and be part of this journey? Well, it really starts back basically as a young child. I've always been really inspired and motivated by creative work, whether that is music or photography or essentially just creative expression in general. As I started to get older, I really discovered this love for digital creativity, especially because one of the things that I always struggled with, with traditional forms of art and creativity, was the imperfection of doing things by hand. 
I was never the artist that was able to like really literally render anything or even come up with kind of a style that I felt happy with until I got onto the computer and was able to digitize and make things perfect and more geometric. So this kind of the the digitization of work really spoke to me personally and made me feel like I could get things to how I saw them in my in my mind's eye, I guess. Uh, that led to really getting into branding and web work, even through high school and into college years age, and eventually started just doing that as a freelance business. I didn't set out to start an agency intentionally. I was doing freelance work. I got really busy. I needed help. And then in a couple of years, I had a nine-person team kind of supporting me. So it was this really organic, unintentional evolution that happened for me, but it's been really a great learning experience along the way. And I've learned a lot more about how to look at business problems as creative problems and not just think about it only as art. So one of the things that I love most about the discipline of design is that it's applied art, it has purpose beyond just art. And I love art. I love music. I produce music on the side for fun. I've been in bands. I, I celebrate that pure expression and joy of art for art's sake, but I also really appreciate the power of design to actually affect change. And I think that's where I really draw most of my inspiration and passion from. I want to understand a bit about what you do. And I've got a tricky question, which is what is the trickiest thing? Like, how do you go about landing really impactful creative solutions around impact-led businesses? I would say it starts with having really creative, smart people on the team. If that's not true, then it's really hard to come back with creative solutions. So we spend a lot of time building up a solid roster of team members who have innate creativity and a passion for social impact work. That's critical. You know, on top of that, there's workflows and processes and company culture and all that that really ties those people together, but it does start with the people. So that's one critical element. I think another critical element is when we started looking at the space, we realized for a number of reasons, which we can get into, the bar that had been set for branding work, for creative work, for communications work in the social impact sector was far lower than the bar that had been set in the corporate sector for a number of different reasons. And we really have a strong belief that getting that bar higher is going to be really critical in helping to move some of these issues forward for a number of reasons. So that kind of belief and a care for our craft and the quality of our work is really central to our brand and our culture as a brand. And I think that really ties our team together as well. When it comes to actually delivering interesting creative work, I think there's a lot that goes into that from strategy to creative exploration, to inspiration and drawing inspiration from other really good work, even outside of the social impact sector, and having a really highly engaged client from the social impact organization side who believes in this work and who looks at it as a valuable investment and not an expense or just bringing a vendor on to kind of tick some boxes, but actually understands that the value of this work is really high. Oftentimes they've tried to cobble stuff together on their own or at lower price points or some kind of combination of the two and seeing that it doesn't really quite work unless you do it in the right way, which I'd be happy to unpack further. But I think really that relationship between us and a highly engaged, motivated, creative partner on the client side is what leads to the best outcomes in our experience. Oh, thank you. Eric, now you're based in California. You talked a bit about being sort of originally 
from Santa Cruz or the, the organization is. And and I just wanna I wanna unpick having you here um a bit about what it is to be working on impact in California. Cause I've traveled there and watched and been and sort of dipped my toe into Californian culture. And it feels very big and kind of big cars, big buildings, big hair for one of a better description. But also that kind of um, oil is very close. There's a lot of like desertification. You can feel drought, lots of wealth rubbing up against kind of some pretty hard, quite obvious poverty. I've read somewhere that LA is a sort of self-proclaimed Silicon Valley for social impact. I was just wondering what it felt like for you being a social impact business, focusing on supporting social impact businesses in California. And whether there are any particular sort of trends that you would love to sort of raise awareness of that perhaps others who are listening might not be aware of. Sure. Yeah. A lot to unpack there. I think I'll start by saying I've uh, grown up in, in California. I consider myself lucky to have grown up here. And there's no other place in America that I'd rather be based. I think California in a lot of ways is a leader and has always been a leader for especially environmentalism and a lot of social impact work. With that said, we're also, to your point, rubbing up against a lot of systemic issues that affect us here in California, but people outside of California in the U.S. and to degree people in other countries as well. One of the things about climate, and I'm happy to dig into climate in much more detail and would love the chance to, is that it is a global problem and actions in other places affect us here in California. Actions here in California affect people in other places. There is no uh, boundary on a map when it comes to climate. And so I think my perspective on this is that California is a very diverse state. We have a lot of different cultures and subcultures. We have a lot of different opinions. People think of us as a very progressive left-leaning state. And in a lot of ways we are. And in a lot of ways we have a huge population of super conservative people as well, from a political standpoint, from a social standpoint. And so there's a lot of competing priorities. And this becomes a personal opinion of mine at some level. The American government's in somewhat of a crisis right now. We're not very good at policy. And even at the state level, there's a lot of gridlock and there's a lot of good intentions, I think, but that are not being met with the proper amount of action. One of the things I'm really proud of is we do get to work with a lot of great organizations here in California, nonprofits, businesses, and funders who are making a meaningful impact and really spearheading some real progress. Um, I think of a campaign that we helped called Let's Green California that's doing a lot of policy work, really trying to continue to push California to be a progressive player and a leader and a model for how we can start to tackle climate change at the state level, given that we're federally dysfunctional and can't make any progress on climate. So, you know, I'm happy to dig into more details around all of that, but I think it's it's pretty complex. So I want you to dig into more detail. I mean, you talked a little bit about digging into more detail on climate in particular, but whether there are other things too. I mean, what what is on your mind in that respect? Well, I think two of the big issues that we're faced with every day here in California would be social inequity and climate. And we see that show up in a number of different ways, and they're very interrelated. They're not actually separate issues. There's a lot of overlap between the two. And one doesn't necessarily cause the other but they do have a synergistic effect. And I think they're results of larger issues in general that are happening across the country and the world to some degree. Homelessness has become a huge issue in California and elsewhere, but especially in California. Lack of housing and housing policy failures has largely driven that. 
But in general, I think we could do a much better job here in America and in California taking care of people and having a social safety net. That, to a degree, kind of goes against some of the founding spirit of our country, just to be frank, around. And I don't think that that is right or actually always accurate, but there is this cultural perception in America that of individualism instead of collectivism. And I think we're seeing the failures of that cultural meme every single day more and more, especially as we become more polarized as people. So that's one element in in how it shows up. And then the other obvious element is climate and our state's on fire always. And, you know, part of this is that California, large swaths of it are literally a desert and we built cities in those deserts. And so our natural environment is not necessarily conducive to how we've built and where we've built. That's part of it. As we've been facing some of these issues around building housing in urban centers, it's pushed people to build housing in forests and places that are not very well suited to deal with the disasters that are starting to show up more and more due to climate change. So again, these issues are all compounding and, and interrelated, but those are the two that really, I think as a Californian have become more and more severe and dire each year, a very related issue that's showing up again, not just in California, but especially here is around water. And, you know, we're looking at insane drought levels already, which only further create issues around fire. So these things are all starting to feel quite apocalyptic. If you add the pandemic on top of it, it's been a wild couple of years here. And with your kind of expertise, your your communications and design expertise, I mean, if you were given the brief to to try and tackle some of these social environmental and complex issues. I mean, what what would you say to those who are sort of potentially in positions of being able to do something about this? Well, we've quite literally been given the brief on a number of these issues before. When it comes to climate, I think one of the big mistakes that's been made around climate is focusing so much on the catastrophe, which is easy to do. I think largely that's driven by media and the scope and scale of the problem and the fact that it has been underrepresented uh, underrepresented so many times in the media. It's almost like there's a, a correction happening. But the problem is if we paint climate as this issue that is completely outside of our control, that's inevitable, that's happening, it's too late, that doesn't actually help because it's not inspiring people to take action, whether or not that's everyday citizens or even politicians. And we really need to focus on a more positive narrative, not in a cosewashing kind of way or a whitewashing kind of way, but we have the technology and the tools today to make huge, huge strides in climate. We're just not investing in them. And there's a number of reasons why, and it goes way beyond the scope of even my personal expertise or understanding. So I'm not going to try to get into the reasons why. But what we've learned by working with a lot of these organizations is that really the the biggest issue when it comes to climate, especially here in California, is political will. It's not technology. It's not even economy because solving climate change will actually really help our economy because it will create a ton of new jobs and opportunities and technologies and innovation and entrepreneurship. So because of many complex issues and corruption, frankly, within Washington, within our state, even climate is not being prioritized to the degree that it needs to. And I think we really need to focus on a message of hope and opportunities for legitimate action, because if we continually just talk about all the negative outcomes, 
we're going to be driven to apathy instead of action. So Eric, I wanted to stick with that practical expertise and insights that you began sharing there, because I mean, this podcast from a sort of um, audience perspective, we try really hard to create advice as much as anything for people who are practitioners, whether they're in business or other um, sectors around how they could potentially take action or implement your expertise into their work. What advice would you have for those who are trying to potentially land a great social impact communications project or engagement? What would be your kind of key tips? So I think this might be a good time to introduce a concept that we think about a lot when we're doing this work, and that's this concept of the attention economy. And I think it's worth explaining briefly. Essentially, what it means is that we, because of our digital platforms, information is free and flowing for most of the population, not everyone, but access to information has never been easier for most of the population in the world. The kind of near enemy of that is that we are more overwhelmed with information than we've ever been before. So capturing people's sustained attention and interest is the name of the game. And I think that's really where communications comes in. The challenge if you're a social impact organization is that you're competing with Netflix and Amazon and Apple and Google and these really large corporations with essentially endless budgets to create extremely compelling, captivating, and at times literally addicting content. And so as a social impact leader, how can you kind of cut through that noise and really get your message across? I think that's why we believe so strongly in the power of branding and in the power of effective communications. And really, there's no silver bullet to this. It starts on a true commitment to authentic social impact, especially as more and more corporations are trying to leverage cause marketing and purpose marketing to appeal to the conscious consumer who, you know, the next generation especially really cares about supporting brands and organizations that are not creating a net a negative impact on society, that are sustainable in their practices, that are just in their practices, that aren't exploiting people or the environment to create products to make a profit. And so it's just a really noisy space. That's challenge that needs to be overcome. And I think because so many social impact organizations are just generally underfunded or not staffed in a way where they have communications experts on their team, it's really hard to kind of meet those bars that have been set by people outside of the space that you're vying for the same attention slot for the people that you need to move, move action to actually make things happen, whether that's donors or supporters or influencers or policymakers. So the way that we approach that, we're not scientists, we're not policymakers, we're communicators. And so we believe strongly that that is a critical element. And what we've seen by doing this work and by observing other people doing this work well, is that if you can really get that story and that narrative around your brand clear, if you can figure out how to articulate your niche as a social impact organization, how you fit into the ecosystem compared to other people, if you can make a compelling case for your cause, why it matters, and make it participatory and action-oriented and not just frame it like a charity, and then you build a strong brand around those values and those promises and strong digital experiences and ways for people to actually get involved, take action, get educated, get inspired, that's where we really start to see that kind of spiral happen in a positive way instead of a negative way. Eric, I wanted to pry a little bit into what it means to be Eric. 
And so my next question is around you, really. As a social impact business founder, what have you learned in your time as a sort of leader and, and trying to make this work? Well, I've learned a lot. Um, I've learned a lot personally. I've learned a lot about issues. I think that's one of the things that really keeps me inspired to do this work, even though it's not always easy to see wins. Uh, I think a lot of times when we're being introduced to new organizations, new clients coming on, we're learning about new injustices that we didn't know even existed, or maybe we didn't know the true extent to how big of an issue it's been or why it's an issue in the first place. And that can be that can be hard emotionally. It can be demoralizing. It can be tough to just really look clearly at the injustice that's happening every day here and abroad and across the world. And at the same time, we're also really inspired and impassioned by getting to work with people who have dedicated their lives, oftentimes very selfless, selflessly, to do this work. And that's a really weird mix to see. I think we feel really good as a team knowing that at the end of the day, the work that we're doing is truly helping and truly helping causes that are worth helping. So we don't have to compromise as an organization or as people between doing work that we believe in and doing work that allows us to be sustainable as a business and as people. I think one of the things that really stands out to me around all of this is how much policy is driven by public perception and public demand. I think sometimes, especially in America, and especially when there are legitimately broken systems in America from a political standpoint right now, it can feel hopeless. It can feel like we're on a trajectory to literal extinction from a climate standpoint, cultural extinction from a just policy standpoint. But we've also seen how when people really get together and fight for an issue that they care about. And when we can, as humans, agree about our priorities, those really do help shift things. And there are injustices in our way. There are you know, literally evil powers in the way blocking right things from happening for profit. We need to expose those things. We need to speak truth to power about those things. And we need to get organized because simply pointing out issues is really only the first step. We need to figure out how we can actually move beyond identifying issues and move towards getting creative around how we can solve those things, even when there are a lot of structures in the way of those things happening in the way that maybe they should, but they can't because of those reasons. Thank you very much for sharing. And I wonder what's next for you then? Where are you off to next? What should we be ready for? Well, we're really working as an organization to try to build awareness around some of our perspectives and belief on this work to really challenge the sector to raise the bar from a communication standpoint, because we know how important it is. And we know that it is actually getting in the way of a lot of these really deserving causes from seeing their missions come to fruition. So really just spreading the word around our perspectives and our learnings in doing this work, whether or not we're helping people or people are helping themselves or working with other people to get help on this. We just truly believe that this bar needs to be risen from a creative standpoint and that it's going to have a huge impact. So that's one thing. We are actually also working on prioritizing climate-focused work and even um, spinning up a climate initiative at Cosmic so that we can be better partners for climate organizations because we do believe the scope and scale of the issue is so large and so important that although we are not policymakers or scientists, we do have valuable expertise and 
a legitimate way to help. And so we're at just to start making a commitment and prioritizing that work when it does come in the door. So that's really a couple of things that are next for us. And we love the opportunity to be on podcasts like this and just spread the word and connect with people who are doing good. I'll also point out that we have a ton of free resources that we publish on our site. On our blog, we have an insights tab with articles and white papers and downloadable assets because we do want to give back to organizations who maybe aren't at a point right now where they can bring an agency on to help with this, but they want to start to take some steps. We also published a manifesto that outlines some of our core thinking behind the work that we do. You can read more about the attention economy there. We also have an audio version of it. So more resources like that coming out in the future as well. Oh, so for anybody who's listening to this, do check out the links that sit in the words alongside the audio and you will find the quick links through to those insights that Eric talks about and potentially also a link directly to Eric. Um, So without further ado, Eric, I want to close our conversation today. Thank you very much for sharing your time and your insights with us and uh, for, yeah, raising the bar with us as well. Thanks so much. I enjoyed the conversation. And if you like what you've heard today, please do rate and subscribe to us. I would also love to hear your feedback. So please do drop me a line at any time. I'm Katie at businessfightspoverty.org. Many thanks. Brought to you by Business Fights Poverty. 